Do the Dallas Cowboys need to consider benching Terrence Steele? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that has $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at McCoolBCB. Landon, you and I have had a chance to review the All-22 film from the Cowboys Week 9 loss against the Eagles, and I want to start with Terrence Steele. Now, we touched yeah. on him a little bit on Monday's show, but after watching the tape, do you feel like the Cowboys need to consider sitting him down for a couple of weeks to get him right? I think I think on our side, we need more information. On their side, they should have the information they need because I, I think the, the kind of determining factor on whether – benching Terrence Steele is a good thing or not has to do with what what's going on with his body right like because after watching the tape last night I do feel like stiffness and 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 some of the stuff with the left knee could be part of the issue here you know I I had a long conversation with with you and John Owning and some other folks uh and and just in, in the more you watch what's going on with him uh, it's it, it his problems seem to stiff and, and and really it's it's a lot it's very clear to see when he's going against Reddick right because with when he was going against Reddick he wasn't having problems getting out of his stance going backwards getting to the top of the arc you didn't see him being beaten around the edge a ton by Reddick which I think that actually hid a lot of his problems that we that we didn't see in training camp, right? Because you saw him explosive getting off the ball. You saw him explosive getting back. Where he's having issues is laterally having to suddenly change direction, mm-hmm. right? When when Reddick gets to the top of the arch and beats and, and comes back inside and uses his hands, it's you just see see like. And I, I, in my mind, again, I'm, I'm, I'm filling in here. I, I don't know for sure, but it looks like to me that Steele is uncertain about planting his foot back the other direction. He's worried about, hey, is my foot going to turn underneath me? Is my ankle going to get twisted? Yeah. Is my knee going to, you know, buckle underneath me if I change directions? And you know, we have to think about what it's like to be an offensive tackle in the NFL. You're on an island a lot. You're usually, you know, trying to block a uh, a player who is a much, much, much better athlete than you. In order to survive something like that, you have got to be tough and you've got to have really great technique. And if you're worried about your own technique because you, you're worried that your knee is going to give up, guess what? A guy like Hassan Reddick, who's one of the best pass rushers in the league, he, he's not going to wait for you to, to get to the inside strong. He's going to make that move inside. And I think you saw it last uh, on Sunday when anytime that they took him inside, anytime that Reddick came inside, you saw Steele really struggle. And then it was compounded by the fact that they were mixing in Brandon Graham in the second half and Graham was using speed to power on him. So 
I, I just felt like after watching the game, you just watch, you're just watching Steele kind of chase the dragon, right? He's throwing his hands too quick. He's he's leaning because he's concerned about that he's not going to be athletic enough to block Reddick. So he's so he's doing the classic thing, right? He's trying to get his hands on the on the defender quickly. And what does that mean? That means he's waist bending, he's reaching too far, he's losing balance. He doesn't ha- he doesn't have great contact balance mm-hmm. because of the knee, anyways. And it just becomes a snowball effect. And then you throw in an, another pass rusher like Brandon Graham, who's just going to further confuse the the issue by throwing some p- speed or uh, power. I just think that it became a, 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 a hell game for Steele. You know, he just mm-hmm. he was caught in a in, in a in a black hole of of just being wrong and constantly guessing and not trusting his technique. And yeah, it, it, so the bottom line to answer your question, the question is: Can will he get healthier, or or will he start to trust the knee more I, by yes. playing on it? That's what we need to. That's what we don't know. So is 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 it going to be beneficial to just swap him out? It may be temporarily but it may not be best for the long run for getting a, a better Terrence Steele later in the season what complicates this is that you just gave him a really big extension and you kind of yeah. need him to figure things out and you really need him to figure things out quickly right I think they can get I'm not saying they're going to win every game but I think they should be able to get by with him over the next four weeks until you get to the Philly game but you need him to be right not only for that Eagle game yeah. but also for the playoffs and yeah. Is sitting him for three games or four games, let's say you put him on IR, whatever, is that going to help or is it going to be more beneficial to him to continue to play, continue to trust his footing, um, and kind of just start to figure things out? I don't know, but I saw the same thing not only from this week but from the last couple of weeks. He's mm-hmm. not getting beat with speed. I mean, he he's gotten beat a couple times with speed, but it's almost been everything either – where he's getting beat inside or guys just getting underneath him and just driving him back to the quarterback. Um, that's almost more concerning for me, to be honest. Uh, you know, listen, I, I tend to think that if, if there is uh, uh, I, I tend to think that the best thing to do is to let him play it through. I know it's tough because I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, Cause you also uh, don't want to move Udoga over there. Who's been playing really well at left tackle, who's been playing at left guard and now having him switch sides I think you need Udoga to be the, or you need him to be your swing guy, anyways. And I think that's what the Cowboys think too. I mean, I think McCarthy's comments yesterday about Steele were basically implying that, right? That he, uh, you know, he has some stuff to work through when he. I think he rephrased it as he still is working through some things related to the injury. I think that that has to do with the stiffness. It has to do with the uncertainty about the knee. Um, I think the the more he plays on it, the better he's going to be. Uh, I think just he'll get more and more comfortable with it. And and I do think that the the run game stuff has started to turn around a little bit more. Like that's where I feel like he's actually made improvements uh, as opposed to you know the pass protection stuff, which I don't I don't think has gotten better yet. Um, but no. but I think it I think it can. I think it, it I, and I have faith that in the long term in Steel. The question is is like you know <laughs> when is when is he going to get closer to health that, and, and and start playing closer to the guy that we signed. Uh, and is that going to be this season? I think that's really the big question yeah. is, can he get somewhere closer to where he was this season? Or is it going to take another offseason of kind of getting himself right and getting his head right about his knee? Just to show where he's at this year, among offensive tackles that have played at least 500 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, lowest graded tackle in the NFL this season. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that 
you know, he, he has to work through this. Like, and, yeah. and, and, and most tackles that were playing like this, you would pull them because you, you need to see somebody else. But this is a situation where I think we know that Terrence Steele is, is talented, but the problem is, is that he's got a, you know, it's very similar to the Gallup situation, right? Where it's not just about being physically able to do the job but being physically able to complete the, you know, the requirements of the position, it's about being confident enough to play at a high level to go against, you know, an NFL athlete that you're facing. So sure. that's where, you know, they, they just kind of have to continue to put him out there to let him get that confidence back. Yeah. Now the next couple of games aren't going to necessarily be easy. They're easier opponents, but the matchups are going to be tough. You're going against Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, uh, Brian Burns the following week. Now the, the commander's game, We'll see on that one. <laughs> I mean, I'll, hedge for them. They, they but, may trade another. They may yeah. trade another defensive end before we play them. Honestly, even though the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, I do think the Cowboys will be fine with Steele at right tackle for the next couple of games. You're just hoping over the next month or so things get better because it's been pretty rough in the first half of the season. Lane, let's talk about the defense uh, who gave up far too many explosive plays on Sunday. We will get to them next. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. All you have to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. I absolutely love Prize Picks. It's so much fun. There's so many different players in stats to choose from. It just makes it makes the Sundays go by so much faster and so much fun. Price Picks has something that I really like. It's called the reboot policy. Well, they'll reboot one of your entries if one of your players is injured in the first half and does not return for the second half. That's now available for the NFL and basketball games. Again, that player is now rebooted from your uh, entry into your lineup. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Absolutely fantastic. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use promo code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use promo code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. Football season is here. We're halfway through the season, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchups, your fantasy lineup, your betting angles, and so much more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country, who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Landon, let's talk about the Cowboys' defense. They gave up 28 play, uh, twenty-eight points in this game, uh, but the, it was the explosive plays that just absolutely killed them. Yeah, I mean, that was what I think sustained a lot of these Eagle drives, and, and ultimately it was the the explosive plays for most of the game. And then for a, at least one of the drives, I think it was the multiple, you know, penalties that kind of continued to extend a drive that, you know, didn't necessarily seem very uh, uh, promising for them early on. Right. So 
I think that the real issues seem to be that they and and and, I, and look, I think it corresponds. If you look at the explosive plays and where they fall in the in the game, uh, you know, once the Cowboys had kind of stopped or put, you know put a bandaid over the, the explosive plays, uh, the Eagles you know punted three times, uh, except for obviously the drive where the penalties happened, right? So you know, after I think they had you know, the 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 twenty nine yard touchdown to to Smith is obviously a, a big one. The last big play that they had was the pass to Goddard. Um, but outside of that, like on a play-by-play basis, I felt like the Cowboys did a pretty decent job in kind of slowing things down. I mean, look, you know, you, you still haven't had a 100-yard receiver or a 100-yard rusher in these in these games. Uh, so it, it was – they were able to kind of uh, slow A.J. Brown down a little bit after a hot start earlier in the game. Obviously, uh, uh, Smith got his touchdown. But I do think that, you know, considering the fact that the concerns over – you know, an inability to stop the run an inability to kind of stop some of the superstars on in Philly's uh, offense on a play-by-play basis. I think they did a good job, but the problem is, is that all it takes is one or two of these explosive plays per drive and, and suddenly the, the, they're scoring. So, uh, you know, I, if the Cowboys get a, get off the, the field in that you know, penalty drive, uh, I think, you know, suddenly you're talking about a 21 point uh, uh, game in, in, on the road, which I think is pretty good. But I think that, you know, it's that's not what happened. You know, they, they gave up a lot of explosive plays and and and, and it mattered. And it, and it ultimately, I think, was the difference in the game uh, was was Philly's ability to on the in, on, you know, on the ground and in the in the, in the air as well, uh, uh, create explosive plays when they needed them in order to extend their drives. And ultimately, uh, uh, you know, that's what put points on the board for them. I mean, and this is nothing new for Dan Quinn's defense against the Eagles. Like they've given up a lot of explosive plays in their last three matchups. And if you go back to the game on Christmas Eve last year, the Eagles got explosive plays all game long in the passing game. And that, and that was with Gardner Minshew, but the Cowboys made up for it by getting several strip sacks and they recovered several fumbles. They didn't do it in this game. Now they had opportunities. There was three yeah. fumbles. The Cowboys recovered zero of them. And that's really the difference in this game. Like, yeah, you, you allow 28 points and you don't for, force a turnover. That's you're probably going to lose most of those games. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, it, it, you've got to be able to do one, right. You've got to be able to, to limit explosives or take the ball away. Um, if you don't do either uh, you're going to get what, what you got. And frankly, you know, 28 points considering that is, is not a ton of points considering they were playing at home. Uh, but it was enough, you know, and, and I think that we, that's the We problem. were talking pre-show, like if you just hold them to one field goal instead of a touchdown and it's 24 points rather than 28 points, you probably win this game because your Cowboys aren't going for a two – I mean, they're not trying to go on fourth down uh, from the two-yard line. At the end of the game, they're kicking a field goal to win that game. I mean, it's just – it's a totally different game if you don't have to score a touchdown in that final four minutes. I, I think that this is a good time to bring up a kind of overall point I'd like to bring up about this game is that this was a coin flip game. You know, like this, this isn't a situation where the Eagles dominated the game and the Cowboys barely could hold on. Like these were two very balanced teams that both had are very good and that both can impose their will on their opponents. Um, you know, any one of these plays that had gone the other way, the ball bounces the Cowboys' hands, they get an extra inch uh, from Schoonmaker, or they get a penalty called on the Schoonmaker being tackled. Uh, you know, it's just like any one of these one things had, had gone the Cowboys' way, they could have won this game. Um, so I, I think that the Cowboys, this is not a losing script for the Cowboys. Like, this isn't like, there are things that the Cowboys need to correct but defensively, like they just really need to cut down like two or three of these explosive plays because 
expecting no explosive plays against the Eagles it's offense. Not is, no. It's not going to happen. So I think it's fair to say that they, they did a pretty decent job. If they could have limited one or two more of their explosive plays, not gotten one or two of these penalties on defense. Sure. I think, I think you're talking about a different score and maybe a different win. Here's my concern. We heard Mike McCarthy a couple of weeks ago say, we are a defensive minded team. Now, I don't know if you want to believe that or not, but he did say it at a press conference, right? Against the 49ers and Eagles, you have given up a combined uh, 70 points in those two games on defense. Now, some of that in the 49er game had to do with some turnovers that put the 49ers in good scoring position, but they also didn't play their starters at all, really, in the fourth quarter. So you've got to find a way to be better on defense against the top two teams in the NFC. You can't just give up 28 points, 42 points in these games. I'm hoping that the defense can start to find some answers against better opponents because we know when they play bad offenses, like they're going to dominate them. But when you play really good offenses, can you find a way to get turnovers? Can you prevent explosive plays? We just haven't seen it a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you and I kind of feel very similarly about uh, defense in that it's often dictated and frankly, mostly dictated by the offenses that they're playing. So I, I think that, you know, the points per game thing is like, it's tough. Whenever you're playing two very good offenses, they're going to score points, you know, no yeah. matter how good your defense you're not going to hold the, the Eagles to 17 points and win a game. Yeah. You're just not, but you're right. Like if we're going to go through the criticism of, of, of how those good defenses should be manifesting themselves against good offenses, they should be creating opportunities for their own teams. You know, whether that be, uh, 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 turnovers or, or whatever. And I think the Cowboys defense did that at certain points. The fact that they were able to get three straight three and outs or three straight punts out of the Eagles at a key element in the game when the Eagles could have put the game yes. away, that's a positive. And that's, that's what championship level defense does. We still needed one or two more plays from this defense in order to kind of put this Eagles game away. I think that you could say the same thing about the offense. Uh, and so I, I, this to me is like the perfect coaches game, honestly, right? Where, you played pretty well, but clearly there's a ton to clean up still and kind of work through. Uh, I, I do feel a lot better. Again, I think that's the one thing about this. The only moral victory aspect of it is that I feel actually better about the way this team is playing post-game than I did pre-game. Uh, it's, it's just the, the, the harsh reality of, of the playoff scenario at this point. Yeah, uh, I, you're right. I mean, I don't really buy moral victories, but at least coming out of this game, it feels like if the offense makes one more play and, and, and you're not even, not even a big play, you just score from the six yard line. Yeah. Yeah. Win the game rather than the 49er game where it's like that game wasn't yes. close at all. It, exactly. You could have five plays for the Cowboys that all go your way and they're Wouldn't still not winning that game. So uh, I agree. There, there are definitely things to clean up on both sides, especially on defense. Uh, we'll see what adjustments the Cowboys make over the next month. Lane, I want to talk about a couple offensive players who are seeing their arrows go up. After the Seagull game, we will get to that next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Landon, do you know what the uh, the spread is for Cowboys-Giants on Sunday? Have you looked? I haven't looked yet, but the Cowboys are playing at home, right? So yeah. I would say 
seven points. I mean, they're missing their starting quarterback, right? Oh, you're way low. 16 last time. <laughs> on the it's the biggest I didn't one even the know season. they give lines for 16 yeah, points 16. in the NFL. My yeah. God. Uh, okay. God. I kind of kind of like the Cowboys minus 16. I kind of like the over, honestly, but yeah, still. <laughs> Visit yeah. FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, Lena, let's talk about a couple of players who had pretty decent performances on uh, Sunday. Let's start with Jake Ferguson because yeah. he's been on people so, – a lot of debates on Twitter about Jake Ferguson this morning if you follow Cowboys Twitter. Uh, what was your thoughts on Ferguson in this game? I thought he played really well. I mean, you know, I think this is a guy that is ascending hardcore. We've been talking about it last few weeks. You know, he had a couple of drops at the, at, the, at the top of the reception, and you and I talked about how there needs to be a little bit better – uh, you know, play there. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, before he had one of those uh, incompletions, he had something like 16 straight targets that had been converted for catches or something like that. I can't remember what the number was. Uh, and then on top of that, just, you know, lots of great yards after catch stuff, had the big play down the field for like, was it 30 yards mm-hmm. and 38 yards, I think. Um, and 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 just really... What was really fun was going back and watching him blocking in this game because there were definitely times when, you know, there was one block where I you just watch him bury Brandon Graham on the goal line. I can't remember uh, exactly which drive it was, but uh, he's just become really fun to watch. You know, I, it's like, I, I really like him with the ball in his hands in a way that uh, the Cowboys haven't had a tight end like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, and I think that there is still some things to he's, – he's still got lots of things to clean up and get better at. Um, but I mean, the, the, the ascension is clear, uh, and to the point where, uh, you're excited about him being a, a focus of this offense, um, and, and kind of, uh, the, the, the number two to CD lamb. I mean, let's be honest, like he's, he's, yeah. he's basically the second, the, the best target that they have on this team at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that he's getting better and better. I, I still would like to see a little bit more consistency and you mentioned the drops, uh, officially, no drops in this game, but there were two plays where the ball hit him directly in the hands and the Eagles like were able to knock it away. Yeah. I just want him to get a little bit stronger at the catch point. And listen, I, I don't want to ever compare somebody to Jason Witten, but one of Witten's strengths was yeah. if the ball hit his hands, no matter how many, how many guys were grabbing at his arms and his hands, he wasn't dropping that pass. And there were a couple, you know, big plays in this game where, there was a third down where Dak threw an absolute dime across the middle of the field. Now the ball was a little oh, high. Man. It was high, but yeah. it hits Ferguson in both hands and he is unable to bring it down. It's been a little bit of an issue over the last couple of weeks with Ferguson, or not over the last couple of weeks, this season with Ferguson. I would just like to see him get a little bit better in that area because if he does, there's no reason why he can't be a top five or six tight end in the NFL. Yeah, Witten has pretty much uh, proven that his head could be knocked off and yes. he would still catch it. And it almost was in Philly a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think part of what's happening, too, is to be fair to Ferguson, is that he's putting himself in a position to put his hands on balls that Witten would never have been able to reach, sure. you know, because sure. of, of elevation. But you're right. Like, if he's touching it, he sh- especially with two hands, he's got to come down with it. Um, and, 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 you know, look. It, part of the appeal of having a tight end is, is a reliability aspect. So you're, you're hundred percent correct. Those, the streak of, of receptions is important, but if he's getting his ball, his hands on the ball, he's got to come down with it for sure. All right. Let's talk about Tony Pollard, who 
had a fine day, 12 carries for 50-something yards. Uh, should have had a touchdown and got called back because of a weird um, penalty that we don't need to talk about. No, uh, we're going to talk about that, honestly. We have to talk about it. I, I've witnessed it, and, and I, I wasn't 100% sure because I heard Nate Tice talk about it, but then I went back and watched the tape. You can clearly see – first of all, you can clearly see where the umpire is on the field because he, he walks out of the frame of the All-22. You clearly see Dak turn towards the – and if you're on YouTube, you can see me. And I'm sorry if you can't podcast – he clearly turns to the rep and goes like this, moving his hands across his chest, which is the symbol for eligible receiver. And he and he points like he goes, he goes, did you huh? You get a Hannah? Huh? Did yeah. you do this? Did you get that? And 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 got an acceptable answer. Must have said yes, right? I, I'm assuming he didn't say no, and then Dak was like, oh, oh screw, it. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, you know. So and then get went into the center, handed off the ball. Obviously, Tony scores. They call it back for you know illegal participation or what was i can't remember exactly what the illegal uh, formation illegal formation which yeah so uh, again uh, that's it ultimately that's my issue with the rest is that you know they can't even do the simple stuff to get through the games okay anyways tony pollard i agree pollard's numbers you know were were, were fine They're not nothing to write home about certainly no. nothing that should include him at the end of this list you know for for players with their arrows up the reason i wanted him included here is because when you went when you went back and actually watched the game he looked different in the second half in a way that he didn't look like in the first half. And I don't think he's looked at different points in the season. And I don't know, look, I don't believe in the idea that running backs get healthier necessarily as the season goes on, you know, because of all the touches they take. But, but I, I, I wonder if maybe he isn't starting to feel better with his knee in a way that he, he hasn't might. been in the previous, because the explosion that you saw, and, and, and he averaged a whole yard per carry on his touches in the second half more than he did in the first half. But beyond that, you saw different times when he he ran a Texas route near the goal near the goal line, right? Which is just if you guys don't know, it's just a, a, a an angle out and then an angle back in, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 his his explosion back inside, he was wide open, and, and that was I think that was the actual pass, if I'm not mistaken, that Ferguson they tried the uh, the deep back of the end zone toss yep. to Ferguson, yep. and, and it, it was a little bit high. Uh, but but unfortunately, Pollard was wide open. And if, frankly, if, if if Dak had just given it to him, I think he would have walked into the end zone. Probably. But that the explosion that he got in and out of that break was different than we've seen in a while. I just felt like his movement was a lot better. Um, so I'm excited to see if if that's the case, if Pollard can kind of actually get a little bit more explosiveness or just starting to feel a little better in his knee. I don't know how much longer that's going to last because we still have, you know, we're at the halfway point of the season and pretty soon he's going to get to that, you know, feared 200 carries mark and, and start mm-hmm. really feeling it. But I just wanted to point out that it felt like we saw a different athlete and from Tony Pollard in the second half than we did in the first. We also saw Tony Pollard, uh, Jalen Tolbert have his first touchdown of his career. He made a nice play down the field in the second half in this game. Uh, now the play, the fourth down play, I don't, I still don't understand necessarily why Dak threw that ball there with him in coverage. I know that might've just been part of the, the progression there, but it do, does seem like Jalen Tolbert is having a bigger role on the offense. Yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, you know, it was interesting hearing, uh, bones talk about it, right? Like, uh, cause he was talking about having to, uh, kind of navigate the fact that, you know, some of these players that he's, <laughs> that are his stalwarts are starting to get more and more playing time. And, I do think that Tolbert is someone that uh, they need to start working in more. I just think that, you know, what, what, what we've seen from Gallup has not been enough in the consistency. Uh, and I think that Tolbert has shown you enough throughout training camp and then at, in his opportunities in the regular season that 
you know, maybe he's got something here. I think especially what we saw was that there's a chemistry between him and Dak uh, on plays that are broken, right? And broken plays. He understands where to, where to go to find the open spot in the zone. I think that's probably part of his background, baseball, uh, uh, basketball background, just mm-hmm. finding open space and filling it, right? Uh, so I think that that's something that's really, uh, yeah, that, that we could get a little bit better. That, that, that I think Gallup has missed, honestly, at different points, is just knowing where to go when the play breaks down in order to create space to get yourself open. Yep. Uh, that's something that I think Tolbert can exploit a little bit. Yeah, I would love to see Tolbert get more and more snaps every week because it does feel like he fits this offense maybe a little bit better than Gallup does. I think he fits CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson better. Uh, I fully expect to see more Jalen Tolbert over the next month or so. That is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Lothan Cowboys your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we'll be back answering your Twitter questions, so make sure that you send them in to us. We are free and available on all platforms. Check us out on YouTube as well. Go follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.